Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Thrive Co-Living podcast and YouTube broadcast. Thrive Co-Living is a new concept in creative community building. Sustainable, multicultural, multi-generational, and inclusive, Thrive Co-Living communities are built from repurposed big box stores or other suitable buildings. In this series, myself, Jennifer Hooper, and Thrive founder, Mark Stein, will weave together the tapestry that makes up the physical and spiritual components of this new concept in community living. Now on with the show. Hello and welcome back to this episode of the Thrive Co-Living broadcast. My name is Jennifer Hooper. I am one of your co-hosts along with Mark Stein, who is the founder of, yeah, there's the wave <laughs> of Thrive Co-Living. Um, we have a guest with us today, Leah, I've already forgotten, Zilliac. <laughs> yes, very good. Zilliac. <laughs> and uh, yeah, how, how are you guys doing today? Doing well, yeah, good, not too bad. Good. So, Mark, you're tuning in from where today? I'm in back in Louisville. Back in Louisville, or Louisville, as the natives call it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Every time I try to say Louisville, people correct me, <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's, that's how they say it. <laughs> no matter, no matter how you say it, they'll correct you. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Leah, where are you tuning in from today? I am in London today. Oh, that's awesome. And I yeah. am in Rhode Island. So we are all over the map. Kind of fun. So Leah is joining us today as a consultant for co-living spaces. And we're really excited to dive in and uh, tap into her expertise and her experience and all the wisdom that she has to share with us as we're just getting started. So Leah, maybe you could just start us off by sharing some of your most memorable co-living experiences because you've been, you know, staying at a few of them from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've all been memorable in their own way, I guess. But um, I kind of started off a little bit about my background. I started off in the music business. I went to school in Nashville and studied music business. So I worked with touring musicians for a long time. And then I went and worked on board cruise ships for a couple of years. So I guess I kind of consider that my first co-living experience as far as working on cruise ships, you are living and working with 1500 crew members and you're on board for six months at a time. So is that, that was kind of my first for, foray, I guess, into co-living. But um, yeah, so that was super memorable, that whole experience. But I guess I would say my most memorable experience after ships, I did some traveling by myself and I decided that I was kind of bored of the whole being a solo traveler and I decided to um, check out a co-living space in Lisbon. So I went there and I just met a whole slew of people. It was a digital nomad type space. So it was just something new to me. I had heard of the digital nomad thing, but I'd never done it myself or knew anybody who had. And so I went there and I just kind of fell in love with the whole vibe, the whole group of people. And I met people there that I have met up with in other parts of the world since then. So it's been really cool getting to, to meet people in a co-living space and then also meet, meet up with them in other spaces. So um, yeah, I guess all of that. <laughs> all of the things. All of the things. So <clears throat> what are some of the, cutting right to the chase, what, what are some of the aspects of co-living that strike you the strongest? You know, what what stands out? What's, what's most important 
and and talk about you know uh, sprinkle in experiences at uh, the different ones that you've that you've uh, visited. But what are the aspects that really make them uh, unique for you? Yeah, I think I mean what makes co living co living is the community for sure. So it's having a strong community, but also integrating people into that space quickly. The the quicker you can do that, the the better. I feel like. Um, I feel like every space is different in its own way. Some of them have focus on travelers. Some of them have focus on more long-term stays. But regardless, the what makes a good co-living space is a strong sense of community and having group of people that are like-minded and who are interested in learning and growing together. And that, to me, is what the essence of, of co-living is. Good. Um, do you find that programming comes mostly from the top? Uh, from the operators, uh, how often does programming and ideas for programming come from underneath of the members? Yeah, it's it, it can be done both ways. Um, more often than not, I see it coming from a programmer on down um, as far as they might have a community manager on site who's facilitating events and organizing a calendar and those sort of things. But a lot of spaces are moving toward um, increasing engagement through the people themselves. So encouraging them to come up with their own activities and more ideas to drive things so that they're not having to have a community manager and someone to, to facilitate all of those things. Cause that is a lot, it is a lot to take on. And um, so, yeah, I'm seeing that work as well. People coming up with their own things and a schedule in which other people are, you know, coming up with activities and things that interest them and leading it that way. So works both ways. <laughs> Lee, I'm really curious about, you know, all the places you've been and uh, how long you've been involved in the community, co-living communities. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I went and I traveled for a while by myself and I came across the idea of co-living and I stayed at one for a little bit and I loved it. I actually was supposed to go to Barcelona afterwards and I just kept delaying it and delaying it because I loved it so much. And I realized then that that's kind of where I wanted to put my focus and that sort of clicked for me as far as integrating both my entertainment and hospitality backgrounds into, into one sort of thing. And I love the community aspect of it. So yeah, I stayed there and then I've sort of just been hopping around since then as far as sometimes staying by myself, sometimes going in co-living communities. And then of course, you know, with COVID and everything, I had to kind of put a pause on that. But um, my plan was to, to continue to go through spaces throughout all of Europe this summer. But um, I ended up coming back to the US for a little bit and hanging with family. So I'm just now getting right. back to, to Europe and here in London. And I have some meetings checked off to, to check out some more spaces here. So. Oh, nice. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what are some of the, uh, I, I'm sure you've done a lot of research into co-living on the different continents um, based on experience and what you've read and the people that you've met. Uh, what are some of the differences between how they do co-living in Western Europe versus Southeast Asia? Um, I'm sure you're attending conferences as well, virtual conferences these days. What, yeah. what are you seeing as some of the distinguishing factors mm -hmm. uh, between locations? Yeah, I guess my experience has mostly been with the digital nomad spaces in Europe. Um, there are a lot of them here, and that's kind of more of a well-known thing. I guess co-living in general is more well-known here in Europe than it is in the U.S. as far as what I've experienced um, there are some of the bigger co-living spaces in the cities, like in London and, and Paris and all that, like there are in the U.S. They seem tend to be 
larger spaces, more focused on people, less of the digital nomad crowd and more of the people who are looking for a long-term living situation in a city. Um, those are kind of the differences I see between the US and Europe. And they both certainly have you know, overlap there, but as far as the US market, it seems to be more long-term stays and you know, more people who are solid in one, one place. Whereas in Europe, mm -hmm. there are more opportunities to hop around and go to different spaces. Um, as far as Asia, I've not been to any yet, um, but I know like obviously Bali has a huge, a huge co-living community there, which is mostly for digital nomads and travelers as well. But um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of different from continent to continent, country to country. And co-living means a lot of different things. So it's hard to kind of <laughs> mesh it down into to one aspect, but um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I'd like to, to check out more across, across the world as soon as that's possible. <laughs> Yeah, that's so interesting because we are working under the concept of a long-term, longer-term mm -hmm. type of co-living. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit more about the shorter term and you know how people hop around? Is there like a, a membership that allows you to go to different places or is it all on your own, You know, figuring it out as you go? Yeah, there are companies that are kind of popping up and doing <laughs> and He'll be back, it. I guess. We're still <laughs> <He'll leave us. laughs> I'm over here. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, so there, it, it goes both ways. There are spaces that are just on their own and that kind of, you just kind of figure out from other people. You get references and I see mm. this space and it was really great and you should check this out. And there are some that are just really popular and everyone goes to and they come back to over and over again. Um, there are some companies like Outsight. Um, they have multiple properties. They have a bunch in California and then some across Europe as well. And they are a membership in which you don't have to be a member to stay there, but you get discounts if you are. So they encourage people to, to stay in those, those types of spaces and come back. But, um, and then there are the, the traveling nomad retreat sort of deals. Um, so in which those are more, know about these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, there's mm. Wi-Fi tribe and, um, those sort of things in which you kind of, you buy into a membership, a yearly membership, and then you can go into different chapters, they call them. Um, so you might go a month in Medellin and then, you know, you might go home for a little bit, do a month in wherever, you know, Istanbul or whatever, and they hop around and they have different chapters that you can hop in and out of as you like. So, um, wow. That's kind of a different form of co-living, but they have their own community that moves around. Um, so yeah. there's several, several like that as well. That's so interesting. It almost sounds like a, an amplified version of host, be, going to hostels, you know, that is also a little bit community-based, but kind of more sparse. Yes. Would you say that's true? People, I guess people sort of compare it to hostels, but it's, it's a different crowd for sure. It's a, okay. it's a more professional crowd. You don't see a lot of younger people. I, I guess there are, it, the, age is, the age range is a lot larger, I guess I should say. So okay. it's a mix of old and young people. And it's just anybody who has an interest, who has a job that they can work from anywhere and wants to travel and not have a home base. So um, yeah. it, kind of, it kind of changes that way, but it's, okay. it's different and more, and more of a community feel mm. also. Um, hostels are kind of, you know, traveling backpackers who come and go, whereas the co-living community, you, you form these relationships and they carry on throughout the rest of life, really, in yeah. theory. <laughs> okay. oh, that, yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. So <clears throat> how has um, the pandemic affected your choices and your <laughs> travel and, and yeah. things like that? What have you seen in these co-living spaces? I've seen a lot of people who are staying in spaces for a lot longer. Um, the ones that 
are super popular, people tend to book ahead because they know that they love the space and they're like, I can commit to staying here for a couple of months or six months or whatever. Whereas before they might've booked a week and been like, eh, you know, maybe I'll extend as I, as I go more. But um, yeah, I think people are booking much longer term stays. They're staying in one city for, for much longer and going to places that feel safe and more comfortable for them, maybe places they've been before. Um, and a lot of people are just doing an Airbnb in a place and just hanging tight there too. So it's, right. it's different depending on where you are, but I think people aren't really committing to anything right now as far as knowing that they're going to stay in one space for very long. So it just kind of changes in that way. A lot of people are doing the, the van life thing, like you had mentioned. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, just ways to stay mobile and still stay safe. So yes, it's, it's exactly. changing for sure. <laughs> yep. Welcome back, Mark. I know you had a little internet <laughs> issue, but uh, we just carried on without you. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's great. And I, I hope everything continued recording and it looks like it probably it did. It looks like it still is. Yep. So great. I think we're okay. <laughs> he just got bored of the conversation. Yeah, there. like I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Okay. Oops, got cut out. <laughs> I'll just edit out all the all the glitches. You'll just disappear and reappear and it'll be people wonder what happened. <laughs> and if I if I ask the same question that you've just discussed, okay. please let me know and say, ah, okay. oh, we talked about that. No <laughs> Uh, so one thing that I have been curious about, and actually I'm in the process of doing some research into, and you can help on this, um, what about platforms, uh, software platforms to facilitate the co-living experience, especially around community? Uh, mm -hmm. Leah, what, what have you seen that communities are using? And uh, also, if you would sort of qualify, have you mostly stayed in uh, smaller co-living facilities with a few people, mm -hmm. uh, medium amount, that sort of thing? But what are you seeing people use as far as communication tools and ways to build that stickiness within the community? Yeah, I most of my experience has been with the smaller locations, so I'm not quite sure what some of the larger scale properties are doing. Um, I'm doing a tour of the collective here in London, which is one of the largest co-living spaces out there. So I'm interested to see how it is that they they run things there. But um, yeah, I think on a smaller scale, people are mostly doing <clears throat> WhatsApp and Facebook groups and sticking with it that way. But there are a lot of people right now who are coming up with apps that would streamline that process a little better. So it's, I think it's still in the works. I haven't found anything that everyone's like, yes, this is the one we're going to use. Everyone's going to move forward with this product. Um, but I think people are still kind of feeling it out because like we mentioned, co-living spaces are all so different. It's hard to come up with one thing that works for everybody. Um, but there are a lot of people out there who are making things work for certain, certain companies. So we'll see. <laughs> still, still have you, have you seen any apps uh, that people have recently created that look promising? Have you been able to dig in any yet? Um, not, I, I've had a couple of test runs. People have shown me some things and I've, yeah, tried a couple of different, nothing that I think works completely just yet or that I've seen, I'm sure they're out there, but um, I think it's still a work in progress there. What do you think are the important components, <clears throat> pieces that would go into such a platform? Mm-hmm. I think uh, the biggest part is being able to communicate uh, amongst the group. So 
how you how you can communicate amongst the residents and then from the community managers on down and how the team members communicate together. I think that's the biggest part. So a lot of people have been able to get by with just WhatsApp groups and such because you can you can still do those things. But I think that and also as far as organizing, you know, whether it's housekeeping or maintenance, those sort of things, small little tasks and having a calendar of events, those those sort of things, sort of things play into it as well. But um, yeah, for me, it's mostly communication and doing the maintenance, you know, everyday sort of things, depending on what type of space you have. What about profiles? Because I can envision that people mm -hmm. would want to share more with their cluster in their community and maybe even different levels. So for, uh, I'm willing to share levels one and two of who I am with Leah mm -hmm. and then I get to know you a little bit and maybe I'll share my artwork or my writing mm -hmm. and go to different levels. Mm -hmm. uh, any any ideas around that? And, and I do think people will share, especially if they can control the, the depth of it. I think they'll share more than they would on a Facebook, for example, um, about who they really are. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting idea as far as having having profiles and sharing things and getting to know people ahead of time. I think I think that would work really well in a larger space in which, you know, you, you're not going to get to meet everyone all right away. Most of the spaces I've had experience with are small enough that you meet each other right away and you all kind of integrate that way. But um, yeah, as far as having profiles and getting to know people ahead of time so you can find people you click with when you're in a, a giant space of, you know, 700, 800 rooms or whatnot. Um, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Are you guys looking into apps for thrive um we are and mm -hmm. i'm uh in discussions with ajay uh okay. kumar over in india uh mm -hmm. who has the the house monk uh software yep. more for uh collecting rent reporting problems you know more mm -hmm. the facilities issues um but we're we're talking about collaborating to do something focused only on only on building community Mm -hmm. and and developing best practices around that so absolutely uh, hopefully we can talk more yeah uh, yeah as, as that evolves for um, sure leah what are the sizes of the co-living spaces that you've been staying at how many residents is typical for your stays so um, far yeah it depends i would say i don't know if you're in one house one building i would say 15 to 20 is kind of max there okay but um, but I've stayed in spaces where you know there've only been six or seven of us too. So um, yeah, the smaller I would say under twenty five, for okay. sure. As far as what I consider the small spaces I've stayed. And in. does everyone have their own living quarters, like their own apartment? Nope. Um, it's usually okay. you get have your own room and the rest of it's shared. So you might Got share a bathroom with one other room. Um, kitchen spaces are shared. Communal living areas are all shared. Okay. Got it. Talk about some of the cool activities that you've participated in, or maybe you've just missed some, you were on your way out, uh, but what are some of the activities? Because I, I feel like that is, you know, it's the programming, as we talked about before, that's really important. Uh, mm -hmm. What are some fun events that you've yeah. done? Yeah, I stayed at a space in Spain that's really great, and they kind of focus on the Skillshare part of things. So it's really cool. Everyone knows that going in that they're going to have to come up with some skills that they want to share and 
present that way, but um, they have a family meeting every month or every week rather. And we sit down and we come up with a calendar for the week. So you write down all the things like I could, I could teach this, 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 or I know this, this, this. And then you go through and you, you know, see what everyone's interested in. Well, I, I would go to that. I would do this. And then you create your schedule through that, which I think is really great. Um, so I staying there, I learned just a bunch of things. I was only there for a week and I took a, you know, some, a photographer went around town and, and took, you know, photos and showed us how to use his camera. We did a UX design class. Um, someone taught me how to poach an egg, <laughs> like cooking classes and cooking, you know, events. And so it was just, just such random things, but it's just whatever you're good at and you feel like teaching. So that, that is probably the most memorable to me as far as learning things and figuring out what you're good at too, and being able to, to teach a course. So, yeah. That's awesome. That sounds fun. Super fun. <laughs> So you've taken this lifestyle and this um, way of living and turned it into a career for yourself as a consultant. Can you tell us about that? How's that going? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, what you I, do. <laughs> I know, I know. I, um, yeah, I stayed, I had kind of decided at the end of last year to transition into a consulting business for co-living communities. Like I said, my background was in hospitality and entertainment and it just kind of made sense for me. So I, um, I stayed at a space in Morocco and I worked with them for a while and that was really awesome. And then I was, my plan was to continue on from there. I stayed at a space in Spain and then to, to keep on going from there. So it's kind of put a pause on things as far as being physically in a space and being able to do the work that I want to do for now. But it's been really amazing being able to connect with people through this time because I've just had access to so many more people virtually than I would have before. So I've done a whole lot of networking, a whole lot of meetings, and it's just been really cool to be a part of a community. When all this happened, I thought like, oh goodness, like <laughs> now I'm going to have to have a hard stop of everything I've just been starting to build. But it really hasn't been that way. It's been it's been a great time to to get to know people and to to be part of the community without being there. <laughs> so fantastic. Yeah. <clears throat> um have you had much of an opportunity to look over the Thrive concept? And, uh, well, let me back up a step. Uh, are most of the co-living communities that you visited, uh, millennials, 20-somethings, uh, have, you, have you been in any or heard of any that were intending to be multi-generational? Um, so, yeah, I guess most of the, the places that I've been staying at, like I said, are, are geared toward travelers. We had kind of talked about that um, the digital nomad crowd is a little different. And as far as it's not the young backpacker travelers, it can be a wide range of people. So it might be 20 somethings, it might be 60 something. So I've, I've stayed in spaces with a wide age range of people, but we all kind of have the same mentality, the same, you know, vibe of being able to travel and work and have commonalities in that way. So um, but no, I've not stayed at a multi-generational place like like Thrive is is going to be. And I'm really excited to see how that works as far as having a set place where people can come and, you know, really live and stay for long periods of time and coexist as a as a family, which I, I think is really cool and something that's much needed in the US for sure. So uh, as you've looked into our concept, what are some of the things that strike you about it? I really like um, taking, you know, existing properties, the big box thing and turning it into something special. You know, there's so many of these 
very generic buildings in towns across the United States. And I like that it could possibly be in somewhere that's not a major city. Um, a lot of the places are focused on you know, New York and LA in the US is, anyway, um, Chicago, the bigger cities, but there's such a need for it in some of the, the smaller towns as well that I think it could really appeal that way. And the, the having the big age group, I think is, is amazing as far as appealing to a big group of people and all having that same sort of common desire to, you know, have social living and have things all provided for you. So yeah, all of that. Very exciting. <laughs> um, what about, do you see much emphasis on sustainability um, and environment, especially environmental sustainability in the mm -hmm. co-living places that you visited or he heard about? Yeah, I think it's just a, a major sort of focus and trend in all of co-living and all, in Europe in, in particular, sustainability is just huge here as far as being on, on the mind, as far as all businesses go. But yeah, it's something that comes up a lot. And I think, I think it will, like you, it's a big, big thing with you all at Thrive, which I think is really cool. But um, yeah, it's definitely top of the conversation whenever people are talking about co-living and coming together. How can we create more sustainable ways of living and living together and, you know, consuming less and all those things. So, yep. So I know with the, you know, pandemic, some of your plans and your consultancy <laughs> have gone on hold your travel for sure. Um, yeah. What is it that you um, do in your consulting practice to help mm -hmm. the co-living spaces create a, you know, a, a community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my my goal, I'm a guest experience consultant is what I'm calling it, <laughs> but I'm just kind of the guest experience as a whole. So from the time that someone hears about your space, goes to your website, the time that they arrive, the onboarding process, you know, the community engagement that they find there, and then the offboarding process in the end. So just the whole hospitality part of it, as far as streamlining the parts that are maybe not so fun and have, being able to spend more time on the community engagement and creating strong communities. Um, the onboarding process is something I'm, I'm big on as far as making sure you hit all the touch points that you would in all of hospitality to create consistent experiences because people who come to co-living, they come from all different backgrounds and, and not everyone has a you know, hospitality background or knows much about creating guest experiences. And so I think just standardizing that and creating systems for spaces is kind of what my focus is and creating something that can make guests want to come back. I say guests, but it could be residents or, or so on. But um, yeah, keeping people keeping people coming back for, for more. I think that's so important. I think a lot of it boils down to setting expectations. Mm -hmm. it, this is what this is going to be. And, you know, we're so glad that you're here. Here's all the things that are available to you. Sometimes yep. organizations overlook that very critical piece or they assume people know what they know and stuff like that. So systematizing yeah. it, I think is really important. Yeah. And I think just having an outsider's perspective has been helpful for some of them as far as I bet. if you've lived in a space or lived in a town your whole life or for a long, long while, it's easy to miss all the things that a first timer can come and notice or have questions about or not be sure about. And so um, it's been helpful that way to just have a fresh pair of eyes to be able to go through every single part as, as a 
someone who's never done it before and, and seeing where, what parts are glitchy, what parts might not work as smoothly, where was communication missed, those sort of things to create a smooth process throughout. So, Fantastic. That's awesome. Have you been in any um, co-living community long enough to see or experience conflict? and how they do that's a good juicy question i know i personally have not seen conflict within a space but obviously it exists especially if you're staying you know if you're living with roommates and it's a smaller group of people um it can happen of course but um for the most part the spaces that i've stayed sort of draw in like-minded people to begin with so there's less conflict because everyone sort of knows what to expect Um, if you have i feel like if you have proper branding and you know what what you're getting yourself into that that it's there's less possibility for conflict so for the most part it's just been a happy community from what i've what i've seen but um yeah i think having systems in place that's another thing that we kind of touch on with with my work and and that there are people to report to and that there's a clear system so that you know if when conflict does arise i know that i can talk to this person and this is how this works and to have clear lines of communication, I think that's kind of key before anything escalates. So just being open about, you know, creating a safe space and a space where it's okay to report issues and report problems and then telling people how to do it. I think those are kind of the ways that you avoid major conflicts. (laughs) And uh, with my background in mediation for quite a few years, um, I envision setting up a internal mediation programs where we can mediate each other's conflicts because they're bound to be noise issues, pet Mm -hmm. issues, just boundary uh, types of issues um, that I think mediation can really uh, help with and and be part of the learning, growing experience Mm -hmm. that most of us will be looking for. Um, Although I I do believe that anybody seeking this experience will also will be sort of homogeneous. You know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll have a lot of shared values, but still uh, conflicts arise. And I hope that some people will gain enough skill and experience to be able to mediate disputes uh, that the community might bring to us so that mm-hmm. we could be a, a community mediation center and have that be something we offer to the, and I mean the larger community. Yeah, um, absolutely. For sure. Uh, Another thing I'm curious about is, do you see, with with the focus on sustainability, do you see many co-living communities focusing on growing their own food, trying to bring uh, some uh, resources to the community, not just uh, uh, using resources, uh, and things like uh, community gardens and uh, any any aquaponics or hydroponics? Mm-hmm. Um, that you've seen out there? What, what do you see in the way of bringing resources and, and providing your own resources? Yeah, I really like the idea of that. I had listened to one of your podcasts that you did lately, and you mentioned that that's kind of something you guys were interested in as far as Thrive goes, which I think is, is great. I've not experienced it myself. Um, I've heard of a, some spaces, especially in the Scandinavian countries, for whatever reason, that they are more into, you know, creating their own space and having a communal living that way in which you can create your own food and, and stay this sustainable way of life to how you can, you know, exist in your own little community without, you know, needing anything from outside. So 
Um, yeah, I've not experienced it myself, but I think it's, it's super smart. Might as well, if you <laughs> have the resources and the people who are interested in it anyway, it just seems like the perfect fit. Cool. Uh, you mentioned, you know, in the U.S., there's a lot of or predominantly co-living spaces are in the bigger cities. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I'm wondering, you know, what are the communities like where you've experienced co-living in other places? How big are they? What sort of amenities do they have available to them? As and far as like the, the smaller spaces that I've been in? Not the or... not the um, the co-living communities themselves, but the mm -hmm. the community around the community, if that makes sense. Are they small, smaller cities? I gotcha. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. I, I think that a lot of the, the digital nomad spaces tend to, to gear toward places that are inexpensive to live. So they are outside of the major cities. They're more in smaller communities, sometimes more remote. Um, there are lots of, there's a big push toward rural co-living, especially in Europe. There are a lot of spaces, there's a lot of space, empty villages in Spain and Italy that are kind of, you know, needing something, needing to be revived. So um, there's kind of a push toward that lately, as far as, you know, somebody might buy a house or a couple properties and then creating a co-living as a destination. So someplace you might not have gone to otherwise, it kind of brings you in, you come for the space. Um, like the space I stayed at in Morocco, it's kind of in its own it's tiny little surfing village and you probably wouldn't go there as a digital nomad unless the space was here. So um, the space itself can bring it in. If people know that you're known for your community and you run well, they'll go anywhere, you know? And especially if it's in a town that's, that's revitalizing, if it's usually near the beach for the most part, it's yeah. where people <laughs> tend to go, but having some sort of nature surrounded by, it doesn't have to be a city in which there's a bunch happening. Um, it just has to be a strong community and somewhere that you can enjoy spending your time outside mm -hmm. of work outside usually. And how do you find the co-living spaces where you've stayed so far? <laughs> yeah, it's usually just word of mouth. I mean, there, I mean, there are some websites that are just that have co-living lists, but it's kind of hard to differentiate which ones are geared toward who, because like I said, co-living means so many different things. It's hard to find the ones that fit for you. Um, but yeah, once you stay at one, people will say, oh, I was just here, 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 and here. And you're like, oh, okay, mm. I'll add those to my list. But um, yeah, it's, it's cool. mostly word of mouth. Okay. I know that uh, Christine, one of our former guests on the podcast, mm -hmm. um, has kindred.io. And, yes. and she focuses on being a directory mm -hmm. of co-living communities. So that's, that's one good place to find them. Yeah, exactly. It all depends what you're what you're looking for, because so many of them are geared toward long term stays, some are short term, and they're all kind of there's everyone uses the term co living to describe so many different things that it's it's kind of difficult right now to figure out which one fits what you're looking for. But I think in the next few years, it's kind of kind of kind of evolve and the terminology will change a little bit. So we'll see. <laughs> Let me quiz you. Uh, go back to the oh, to the software. Uh, question again. Yes. Um, what about the idea of connecting uh, the co-living community participants by way of their professions, their gigs that they're doing? So many of us are um, uh, digital nomads and independent mm -hmm. contractors. And my hunch is that a lot of us would like to do business with each other 
uh, even virtually, and maybe, uh, so let's say that the software certainly has a core of that community as mm -hmm. the basis, but being able to extend out to other co-living residents or supporters, because I think there's also this spirit, um, this entrepreneurial spirit, the spirit of giving that goes along with being interested and supportive of co-living. And I think I'm, I would like to do business with other people that, that support this. What are your thoughts around that? And have you seen any of that networking going on with certainly within communities, but between communities? Yeah, I, and you nailed it there as far as the community part of, it's not just communities individually, it's the community of people working in the industry, which I think is just super interesting. It seems to draw in people who, like you said, are entrepreneurial and who are into you know, learning and growing and connecting with people. And so it's been a really cool industry to be a part of, especially coming from the music business where it's all cutthroat. No one wants to really help you through in co-living. It's just everyone's like, oh, have you met so-and-so? Have you done this? You should check in with there, stay here after this and blah, blah, blah. And it just seems to be much more communal, communal and much more helpful as far as making things happen. So yes, I really like that part of it. I'm in a few Facebook groups. I guess that would be the closest thing to, to being able to connect with people that way. Um, and I guess the co-living community, I met a lot through doing virtual conferences and there's um, co-live. I've met some people through there, which has been really great. And a couple of the co-living co hub did the conference that I attended a few weeks ago. And yeah, so there are some things like that, but there is not one set app as far as I know that would connect everybody all in one place. It's kind of a grassroots situation right now. It kind of feels like as far as it's still being built and there's no set place for everyone to come and go together, but that will change, obviously. Maybe you can change it. <laughs> And, and one other quality that I think we share is that uh, a lot of creativity, you know, mm -hmm. um, and and in the arts, in business, in all sorts of things, I feel like yeah. uh, this group of people is because we're so open and community oriented. Um, yes. I think it, it it draws a lot of creatives into it. Yeah, and I think I, I hope. I really liked the, the group of people that I've gotten to know, which is, you know, just such a great community because they are super creative people and they're passionate and they're caring and they're truly excited about building community, which I think is just different than any other industry. If you bring a group of people who are creative and passionate about working together, it's just, it's a pretty powerful thing. So um, I love being part of it. And I think that's, what's going to make co-living grow to what it should be. You know, I think, there are a lot of property investors that are going to come in and they see this as a, a you know trendy buzzword and and try to jump on it. But I think if the core of co-living stays with these, you know, that feeling of being helpful and having community and learning as they go, I think I think it's going to be really, really powerful going forward. So we shall see. <laughs> you know, I know you, you have such passion for it. Um, I want to be sure that we've included all of, of your major thoughts and passions around this industry. Is there anything that you'd like to share experiences or lessons or uh, wisdom or anything that we haven't specifically asked you about uh, and giving you a chance to share? Um, no, I mean, I think we've, we've kind of touched on all the parts for my, my passion is in community and being involved in community and meeting people and sort of 
connecting in that way. I think, especially now with things as they are and people being isolated and being on their own and having this weird experience of this year, people are craving community more than they ever have. And the co-living thing, I know people think co-living in the pandemic, they don't really go together, but they do because that's kind of the general consensus of everybody that I've talked to is that the pandemic sort of sped up co-living you know it took it where it would have been and sped things up because people want to be a part of a community and you know they they no longer have to live where they work so they can live in all kinds of different places and have more opportunities and things available to them so it's just it's really exciting being part of something like this at the time that we are because I think it's just gonna you know explode from here so we will see where it goes <laughs> Yeah, that's a really nice thought that it's actually accelerating the, the mm -hmm. co-living, not detracting from. That's awesome. Absolutely, yeah. If people are interested in connecting with you, how can they reach you? Yeah, I am. Uh, my website is colivingconsultants.com. I'm, I'm on Instagram at the co-living consultant. So anything, you can find me on LinkedIn, however you'd like, but um, awesome. yeah, would love to connect. Fantastic. And we will put all of your contact information in our show notes. And uh, Mark, do you have any last questions? No, just be sure to send us uh, LinkedIn and all these other ways, uh, email, all these ways that we can, uh, people can communicate with you. Uh, okay. No, I, I just want to thank you for sharing your passion, your wisdom, uh, your experiences. And uh, I hope, uh, I, th I think we're going to move forward with this software project. So I'd love yes. to have your feedback. Uh, because the the exclusive focus will be on how to use technology to build community. And I, I am aware of the irony of that because <laughs> technology, I think, in large part, helped bring about this uh, <laughs> sense of isolation that we yeah. all feel. Um, but just as it's certainly ironic to be promoting co-living in the middle of a pandemic, but... Um, uh, I do think there is a place for it, for technology to mm -hmm. bring people together and that if structured properly uh, can do that. So I'd love to have your feedback uh, when we get to that spot and I'll reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's great so talking nice to, to you guys. <laughs> All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Thrive Co-Living podcast and YouTube broadcast. To discover more about our mission, activities, and how to find us on social media, please check out our website at thrivecolivingcommunities.org. There you can also learn how you can support this creative vision in community co-living. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back soon.